Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally, and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. Doesn't seem like a month since I was last here, to be honest. And sharing with you guys. But it's always a delight to be a part of this place. And I want to take this chance just to remind you that we are in the business of building bridges here at Bridge City Church. Um, bridges into our community and building people that come to faith, building bridges into their lives. We understand that walls are cheap and they're easy to build. Bridges, on the other hand, take investments of time, money and expertise. It's a much more complicated process to build bridges, much more complicated process. But it's worth the investment. And just as the River Murray here is in a state of flux, at the moment it's a state of dynamic change, the things that we need to face and cross over also are always changing and always dynamic, so we need to be prepared to make the investment to, to meet that dynamic change as we see that occurring. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be a part of. I'm excited to be a part of Bridge City's journey this morning and going into the future in 2023. Let me pray before I go any further. <clears throat> Father God, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning will not be an oration or a speech. It'll be a, some of the things that I share out of my heart. I'll say, say some things right, I'll say some things wrong. I want to encourage you as we do things together here as the family of God that we can strive for excellence. We don't strive for perfection, we strive for excellence. We do the best we can, we prepare and we bring what we have and God blesses that. So I want to encourage everybody who is concerned about the things that God's placed in their hands, just use them. Use them, prepare them and use them and God will bless that. And I'm praying that he's going to bless what I've got to be shared this morning. So um, I think um, Daniel must have been reading my notes as well because I'm going to follow along from that same basic idea about tradition about what, where we are in Christmas time because it's great, a great chance, my chance to preach about Christmas here in the Inbridge City Church. So I'm going to have a crack at that this morning. Um, I think well, we've just been, have been gripped by the, the Christmas season at the moment, haven't we? We've got to, we've got to acknowledge that, don't we? Um, on December the 1st, I, went to, I work in a school and I went to school and we were confronted by the... Elf on the shelf in the school classroom. You get those photos, Daniel? There we go. Okay. Yeah, and, and I was completely sort of blindsided last year. I think Scott, I think we might have been Scott Pierce, one of our members who's been here. He was doing some things with the elf on the shelf. And I, was, I was completely blindsided. I didn't understand anything about the elf on the shelf. But he apparently appears in the classroom and uh, every day, or it's actually in the class I'm in, several times throughout the day he moves from one place to the other. Um, yeah. So for the entire day at school, every sentence we spoke or heard was contained the word Elfie on that December the 1st. That was the first point of the conversation point. And it was very hard to, uh, to, to maintain focus at any point. Our backstory to that is our te the teacher that's, that works in that class loves Christmas. She loves, and she's built up, she's built up over the, the, probably the last six weeks a sense of anticipation in those kids. They were anticipating the arrival of Elfie on December the 1st. And then the weeks prior to that, I'd, hear, I'd have a conversation with those, uh, those kids and they would tell me about Elfie and about the, his appearance. Heart rates were up and the levels of alertness were very high, but not necessarily for learning at any point. <laughs> um, I discovered at the end of the day 
uh, I was speaking to one of the parents that, uh, that one of the students had been up at 7am and in the car, dressed, ready to go to school on that, that December 1st morning. So how about that for dedication? A child who doesn't always like the idea of coming to school. So, so there's a bit of a lesson there for, for us about motivation as well as anticipation, but we perhaps will talk about that another day. So yeah, I want to just build on... I look back through my notes and I remember I spoke at Easter time about, I, I used the same title, I used anticipation. So we're going to talk about this anticipation of the advent of Jesus Christ. And we're in the Advent season in many churches. They celebrate the Advent season. They, they recognise that and embrace that. And it's the word Advent simply means arrival. With the advent of the world, with the advent of what? With the arrival. Arrival. We've had chocolate advent calendars. Have anyone got a chocolate advent calendar in there? I think if there was one at our place, Christmas Day would have already been and gone by now because all the days would have been ticked off. <laughs> anticipation. Anticipation. It's a waiting, an eager anticipation. That sense of, of, of eagerness. So I remember as a child waiting for summer holidays to come. We're at school... And I'm old enough to be in the, in the generation when we had three terms of school, three long terms of school, and then one long holiday break. Of, it was the best part of two months. We had almost, had almost two, so, which was great. We really, I love that. We would look forward to that. And the holidays would come, and they just seemed like they went on forever and ever. Now they last for about, about three minutes. So we just, we, just, we just sit down, and it's time to go back to work in. Anticipation. Anticipation. We're in this Advent season, so we're in that place now, the season of anticipation, of expectancy, of waiting, of preparation for the arrival of God wrapped in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, we're in that place today. And I want to talk today about what that, what that looks for us, some of, the, some of the challenges we have in that moment as we, as we anticipate that. There's things that come to rob us, to, to take from us, that are, to, to, to not allow us to, to embrace that, to, to spend that time and to savour the moment. We don't, we don't always... Um, people, people say we look to the destination and not the journey. And there's a, there's a, real, there's a real joy in the journey and that anticipation of anything. That's, and that, I guess my example of those young kids, they, they had as much joy in the anticipation of December 1 when Elfie arrived as they did on the actual day. That, that excitement hasn't died down yet, by the way, I should say. They're still, we're still um, fighting the focus. But you see, I did. My first thing I want to talk about is the fact that we are robbed. We're robbed of that moment of preparation by so many different things. We're bombarded by the busyness of the life that surrounds us, the constant pressure that we put on ourselves. Um, I'm a, you know that I'm a son of the soil. I've been a farmer for many years. And when I think of Christmas time... I think of hot days, seven days a week working, scun knuckles from trying to fix broken machinery. So it sends a, it sends a shiver down my spine when I think about Christmas time. I just don't, it's, really, it's taken me 10 years of being cured of delivered from farming to be able to understand and really save it, to begin to savour those moments. But then other things come in, that things that, when that gap opened up, other things come in. Christmas I discovered Christmas parties. How about that? We can... Now there's an endless list of Christmas celebrations that we can be a part of, and so that's, that fills in those gaps that, and that Daniel talked about tradition like that. We can begin to look to those traditions, and, and like, when there's an open gap there, that will be filled. Like the things that we, we can, there's a gap there that will be filled. Shutdown deadlines are there to be met. I don't care when it's done as long as it's done before Christmas. My son's a cabinet maker. That's the standard line from about November onwards. I don't care when it's done as long as it's done by Christmas. 
What other things rob us? On another level, we're confronted by the scientific community who continue to suggest that there is nothing supernatural or spiritual within us or within the world. What we can see, taste, such touch and smell is it. That's what they tell us. That's, that robs us. That robs us as people of faith. We need to guard our hearts against that, those, those messages that come through. Or we can get lost on the other end, the steady stream of myths that flood into our lives around Christmas. So I'm going to be careful here. Whether it be by the television or watching the traditions built by our culture, um, not around Christmas, but um, in that entire year, that those cultures are built up. And so in that, I really believe that we, we need to guard our hearts from being desensitised from things of the spirit because that, those, these other mythical things, if you like, that are coming will, will rob us. Yeah. And the account, the actual the account, the story of Jesus is an account. Jesus is an actual person. It's a historical account. We, the historical account of Jesus can be, be sort of rolled up in that bundle of mythology and out of the general vibe of Christmas, the Christmas season. He can be lost and be lost in that. I want to encourage you to, to grab hold of that. But to be deliberate in our conversations, to distinguish between the myth and the, the mysticism, if you like, that exists around Christmas and focus on the account of the, the, the incarnation of Christ Jesus, God here on earth with us as we in our conversations. Can I encourage you to rage against the culture that wants us to say, happy holidays. What's the, what's the standard of greeting at Christmas time? Merry Christmas, thank you. You all passed the test. Well done. And in that, there's also a renewed interest in spirituality over the world, where people acknowledge the spiritual aspect of life, don't they? There's many people who are seeking, but yet uh, the church and, and the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the last place that they'll ever come to seek that out. It's, an, it's incumbent on us, his family, his bride, to be, those, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, co- to go to those people and show them. Sometimes we don't have to speak, but most of the time we need to show them the love of Christ in action. What else can rob us? Circumstances can cloud our vision and challenge our understanding. We find ourselves in difficult... Has anyone ever found themselves in difficult circumstances? Unanimous vote. We're all across it. We all have. We think back to John the Baptist, who boldly proclaimed Jesus as the one, as the prophet of Jesus at that point. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he said. What an incredible statement that is only to find himself in relatively short time in prison and at threat of death. But if you read in the scriptures, well, I'm coming out of Luke's gospel this morning, it talks about he was in prison at the threat of death at that point. What He sends a message to Jesus. The message he sends is, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Challenged by circumstances. But the message comes back from Jesus. Now go back and tell John that you've just seen and heard here today. The blind are now seeing, the crippled are now walking, those who are who are lepers are now cured, those who are deaf are now hearing, those who are dead now are being brought back to life. The poor and the broken are given the hope of salvation. The poor and the broken are giving hope of salvation. And tell John these words the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose faith in me, no matter what happens. I'll read that again. The blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me no matter what happens. Don't let circumstances rob you of the joy that God's placed in your heart this morning. And if you read that scripture, we'll talk about that another day, that that 
That, that, script, that response that Jesus gives talks about his messianic miracles. It talks about the fact that it, it proves that uh, there was a series of messianic miracles which has absolutely proved that he was the person that he said he was and that was presented. So we'll go through that another day, but um, let's push on. Yeah. So can I take, encourage you again this morning to take that time to be still and prepare so that you will re- recognise the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the, acting in your life and, in, and imparting and investing in your life. We can, again, so that, I've talked about those things, the curse of busyness, the curse of busyness which comes. We wear business as a, as a badge of honour. So many times we think, we say, I'm so busy and expect that to be a thing to be, to be applauded. Yeah, I want to challenge that. I want to challenge us to think about being still in this season. Being still. But seek excellence, but be, have those moments to be still and focus on the living God. Christ, in, God in the flesh. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. We are robbed. The second thing is that we don't wait well. I touched on this last time I talked about anticipation. That we don't, as a general, as a generally, as a as a society, as a race, as a people, we don't wait well. Um, I've brought, I just said Andrew, it's unusual, I actually brought my Bible. I usually rely on my phone, but this is my good old study Bible. And we turn to the middle of our Bible, between the Old and the New Testament. And in my study Bible, it's got a thing called the intertestamental period. So that, there's three pages in that section. And that represents between Malachi and Matthew, there was 400, 400 years of silence where, where God didn't speak where he didn't invest in his people and it's this, in this um, this study of old it actually names it as the silent years it calls it the silent years where God chooses not to speak to these people 400 years and that's some waiting what did the people do in that time Many lapsed into lawlessness. You read that script. They lapsed into lawlessness. Others went the other way. They built on that. They took the law. They said, well, God's law must be good. Let's make a few more laws. Let's build on those laws and make some more things that we can put, impose, on, impose on people to make sure that we are good enough. Self-righteousness to be good enough, to try and build ourselves based on it. The law is put there. Why is the law there? Why did God give us the law? as our tutor, to show us that, in fact, we cannot ever make it. It's not We cannot ever live up to that law. But we said, as people, we thought, well, let's, let's build on that. Let's begin to do that. Let's work out different ways. And so they worked out ways of how, you know, how far you could walk on the Sabbath and how much grain you could carry in your pocket before that was considered transporting grain or how many biscuits. Or, they got to that point, just... They said, just... Uh, serves real to God's people whether their attempts were good enough were to, attempts to be good enough to maintain the law to outline the letter of the law to manage their behaviour was in vain again the same story the law is there that, that approach was in vain despite their efforts God's people find themselves oppressed and imprisoned in their own land by the Roman nation they're occupied by the Romans as Jesus comes to the earth Powerless to open the door and to be released. 
So the Christian writer and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was imprisoned by Hitler during the Second World War, wrote this to his fiancée on one lesson he had learned while he was locked up in prison. It says this, A prison cell in which one waits, hopes, and does various unessential things and is completely dependent on the fact that a door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. Doing various unessential things. I think that was a great script, a great quote. Again, if you read through Luke's gospel, his, his account of Jesus' incarnation, it talks about clearly about several moments when God began to speak and where still people had to wait. They had to be prepared to wait. I think of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He spoke out words of unbelief. Remember that? He, the angel came and said, and he said, how can this be? I'm an old man. God zipped his mouth. <laughs> zipped his mouth when he began to speak out those words of unbelief and doubt. Silenced him. Can you imagine poor Zechariah's life over the next nine months? To just not be able to speak. I'm sure Elizabeth took a chance to speak into his life for him. How much more do we learn when we listen and not speak? Joseph and Mary had to wait at least as long for that, for the birth of Jesus after the announcement by that angel. God is committed to the process of coming near to us in human form, fully God and fully man. He's committed to that process. Sometimes we seek the miraculous, but God shows us the process. Shows us the process. And this is a reflection of that. There is a process in the lives that we live. The miraculous operates, but there is a process. And the Magi, the wise men, waited um, somewhere between 18 and 24 months before they were finally able to see Jesus. They did the study, they did the work over many years. It took them two years to actually find Jesus. Christmas involves and has to do with a lot of waiting, of anticipation. But then the moment comes with the arrival of Emmanuel, God with us, Christ Jesus in the flesh. And I wanted just to just reflect on that, what that means for us at that point. So we talked about what we're robbed of, the fact that we can't, it's difficult for us to wait. But now let's talk about the arrival and what that means for us today. Again, if we go into Luke's account, we go back to the point where the angel speaks to the shepherds. I'm going to show that scripture. That's a profound and exciting scripture that I always love to, to come out of at Christmas time. It says, Don't be afraid, he said, I'll bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. After 400 silent years, there they are. Bang. The paradox of the, I'll just reflect on the paradox of the gospel, to come in absolute humility, the king of kings to come in absolute humility to reach us. That's another, again, that's another conversation. I don't know that just... 
went through my head. Shouldn't do that, should I just speak and not think? What I want to pick out of that, don't be afraid or fear not. When Gabriel spoke to Zechariah, he said, fear not. When he spoke to Mary, he said, fear not. He started with that statement, fear not. For those shepherds, the first thing he says to those guys is fear not, don't be afraid. Words of comfort, and that was him speaking for the first time into our lives. Words of comfort and concern, not condemnation. A weird world that was fearful of God, who was seemingly difficult to reach at that point. 400, remember, 400 silent years, no, no sign of God at any point. Those same words of comfort that, 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 that were received by those shepherds at that day are there for us today to receive. Fear not, fear not. The picture of the rays, the glory of the Lord, his substance, his weight, his presence. We seek that, we seek his substance, his action in our lives. Again, in the old covenant, in the old ways, the presence of the Lord, the presence of God at that point meant death. For many, it meant the risk of death because of that sin and guilt and fear had the potential to overtake faith. The sin, the fear of sin and death overtook faith. We understand that in the old covenant, with the part of the part of the priest's garb as they went into the holy of holies was it once a year, Evan. Once a year, they got to go in. Once a year, it was a rope tied around their ankle. Why was the rope tied around their ankle? Can't hear. That's right. So you can pull it if they died, if they weren't, if they weren't up to scratch, if God, they, they could actually get them back out of the holy of holies easily. So that's right. So if they were struck dead, they could be pulled out. The Lord your God is devouring the fire. He's a jealous God. It says in Deuteronomy. Fear. Like, yeah, for 400 years and fear. Even if we're reading the story of the law with Moses in Exodus 33, he's sheltered under a cleft in the rock from God's presence as God passed by. He couldn't be in the presence of God. He sheltered him in that presence. There's a great picture there that Jesus is our rock as well, if you think about that. He is our protector. He is our covering. But that's again, that's a story for another day. Let's leave that. Can you pop that scripture back up, please, Daniel? Thanks. To all people, that's right, to you, to all people, in the scriptures it says, I bring you good news of great joy. Who will receive that great news, that that great, great joyful news at that first point? They were the shepherds. Again, we talk about the shepherds. The people at the lower end of the scale, economic scale, the people, the ruffians, the... The, the transient people, the people if we came into church this morning, we would actually pick up our mobile phones and put them in our pocket because they were renowned for being for the things disappearing when they came into town, things disappeared as they left. So we need to be understanding that uh, it's a great picture that um, the kingdom of God is not about, it's not a, not a corporate ladder, it's not a picture about the beautiful people being at the top of the stars, again, not about excellence, not about perfection, it's not about that point. He seeks all people, every person. And as we journeyed through the last two years of COVID, we've discovered that some of the people that hold what we call menial tasks have been the most valuable people to us, the nurses, the cleaners, the carers. The last should be first and the first should be last. Yeah. 
And so that, that picture of, of performance is just so important that, we, that we, we deal with that. God came for all people, all people. All means all in the Bible. Wherever it says all, it means all. Excellent. And we fight against that because of our culture. Like we talk about um, the, uh, the, the uh, idea of Santa Claus. What did he say? He asks us if we're going to be, if we've been or nice. Naughty or nice. And we either get a lump of coal or we get a present. No, the old, old days, that's the tradition had it. Tradition had it that if you're naughty, you've got a lump of coal. Yeah. Regardless of social stature or behaviour or history or things that have gone behind us, that's, that's not what God seeks to, not, he's not focusing on that. It's God, Jesus came for all people. You will, it says you will recognise him. He's in plain sight of all people, not hidden. He's accessible by all. Again, in that same sort of theme as um, I spoke about a moment ago, we don't need to strive to be better. We don't need to strive ourselves to reach the heights, to, to climb that ladder to be good enough. We don't need to climb that ladder to be good enough. We just need to recognise our own state. <laughs> We need to recognise the fact that we are bereft, that we are without, in, in our own strength. We cannot ever meet those requirements of the, of the perfect law which God's placed before us. We cannot do that. There's no way we can do that. We need a saviour. We just simply need to recognise the state. We don't need to rely on whether our household is, is in, a, in a fit state. We do not need to have everything in, all our ducks in a row. If we wait till all our ducks in a row, it's not going to happen. We can welcome Jesus in just as we are. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He is poised in the picture of the Father in the prodigal son. So he's poised, ready to to give a gift to us if we certainly turn our face and run towards him. Simple as that. Unmerited favour, that grace that will actually not just improve our life, but will transform it. Transform it. Now circumstances stay. They do stay there and we still, there's a little song by Colin Buchanan that says, little by little, every day Jesus is changing me. So that's the miracle of grace in our life. He empowers us to change our lives little by little, every day. Every day. This day, the scripture says this day, a day anticipated for hundreds of years. Isaiah 9 was written 700 years prior to Jesus' birth. It says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his government and its peace will never end. 700 years prior to Jesus' birth. We anticipate with joy the arrival of our own children, don't we? Unaware of their destiny, unaware of that. And we've done that. We've, watched, we've waited with anticipation of the arrival of a much-loved baby that I can see right now. And we are still, at the moment, anticipating another young baby coming. Again, without... Um, and we, as we do that, we ponder what their destiny might be, don't we? We think about what their life might hold for them. How much more do we receive Jesus? Who We know is Jesus. His destiny was set. His destiny was set from the beginning, before the beginning of time. His path was set. The way of the cross was set for him before he was born. Destiny. His mission was to make for us a way where there was no way, where there simply was no way, to redeem us. 
No birth, no cross. No cross, no redemption. No redemption, no hope. And we, as people of faith, are purveyors of hope, and that hope is the person of Jesus Christ today. Purveyors of hope. Because I said at the beginning, we are powerless to open those prison doors that there's Bob often talked about. We cannot open those doors. There is no good behaviour clause for us. There's no parole period where we can get out if we've done the right thing. Someone must come near to us and set us free. Someone must come near to us and set us free. God in the flesh came near. God came near. I want to reinforce this. Our hope is found in Christ alone, not Christ and our good efforts. Christ alone. Our hope, our everlasting hope is only found in him. He holds those keys to open the door for each and every one of us, no matter what our social status, no matter what our history, no matter where we've come from, no matter where we see ourselves going. He holds the key to open that door. He is the chief cornerstone that holds everything together. Scripture tells us that in him, everything, like everything, everything that surrounds us is held together by Christ. It's great scriptures. Again, in Luke, where Jesus reads from the scroll. Remember, he blew the, blew the um, teaches the law away. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to all the captives, and to recover his sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The last time I was with you, we spoke about the robes of righteousness. We talked about being draped in the robes of righteousness and clothed, clothed in the robes of righteousness and draped, clothed in the robes of salvation and draped in the robes of righteousness, as the scripture says. And that is Jesus. We are hidden in Christ through that. And that, my dear friends, is good news. Is good news today. We need to strive to be good enough. We just need to turn our faces towards Him. And he is there. He runs to meet us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's my encouragement for you this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Be still. Savour the moment. Enjoy the season of anticipation. And share that with every, as many people as you can as you do this work together. Let me pray for you as we finish. Father God, I've become so thankful that you make a way for us where there is no way. Through your birth, Jesus um, came to cross and came our redemption and our hope that uh, we, we rely on. We rely on that for every moment of every day. We think that we can come boldly to you, not once a week, not once a day, but every moment of every day and get a fresh start, Father, that we might grow more and more like you and uh, we might reach, that we might reach the destiny that you have for each and every one of us today. Yeah, so we just release this next week into your hands, Father, and we pray that, you will, that we will understand that you walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.